You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Dan Savage here on uh, the Savage Lovecast with the tech savvy at risk youth. Back from the This American Life Live tour, it was so glamorous. I had such a good time, um, and I'm anxious to get back to what I really do, which is answer your fucking questions, which I will do after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to AudiblePodcast.com/savage right now for details. Hi, Dan. Um, I've just sort of got a question about this whole family drama thing that um, has happened recently. My boyfriend and I, we recently stayed at uh, my aunt and uncle's house um, for two nights over the spring break. And later today it was revealed to me that a bottle of lubricant and a used condom were found in the room where um, my boyfriend and I were both staying, and um, this was found by my by my cousin. He ran and and told my uh, my aunt, you know, uh, look a bit, look what I found, and yeah. So my other cousin, he called me up to dish to shed on this news, and I was like, oh my gosh, that that can't possibly be. Ours. Like I know that my boyfriend and I would notice if like we went missing, and I know he wouldn't leave a condom lying around. I guess it was found under a blanket, and we folded up all the blankets, so it's just kind of iffy. And so I got I asked my cousin to call up my uncle, and my uncle then later revealed that that the bottle of lube belonged to my aunt. But no, no, the dirty condoms definitely, definitely belong to us. And I was just a little bit upset by this. I guess just because, um, like, even, like, why why would our dirty condoms be next to their lube anyways? And I don't know if my uncle's, like, just trying to, like, I don't know, not talk about something personal with his son or I don't know what's going on or if he is unaware of something going on with my aunt. But I'm basically just wondering what I should do because, like, that would really suck if my uncle honestly thought that that dirty, that dirty condom belonged to me. Tried to call you back, really wanted to know how old the cousin was who discovered the condom because that seems to play into why this is a family drama because if you guys left condoms and lube scattered around the room and your four-year-old cousin found them and mistook it for taffy or chewing gum or something, I could see why your aunt and uncle would be pissed. But if your aunt and uncle turned a bedroom over to their adult niece who came with her boyfriend slash sex partner and slept in the same bed, they should presumably be okay with the idea that you guys were fucking in their house. So even if the condom was your condom, and you know what? You said, I know he wouldn't leave a condom lying around. 
which leads me to believe that there's a possibility that he did just this once mistakenly lose a condom in a blanket. Stranger things have happened to couples uh, in their own homes, in hotel rooms, in relatives' homes. So there's a possibility, you know, barring DNA testing, we'll never know for sure, that this condom was indeed yours. So why not just own it? Just fucking apologize. Just own it. Because you know what? There is a possibility that it was yours. There's also a possibility that it was theirs, since it was near their own bottle of lube, which somehow got into the guest room where you had been staying and got – but, you know, who gives a fuck? How often do you see your aunt and uncle anyway? It's not like it's your mother and father. It's not like it's his mother and father. Just own it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Could have been us. Really sorry. You can – you know, the caveat, the asterisk, could have been us, could have been ours, usually really diligent. If it was ours, we're really sorry. Just say that. Paper it over. Paper it over. That's what we do with our families. We sometimes tell them what we want. they want to hear. We issue heartfelt, half-felt apologies for things we don't believe we really should have to apologize for in the interest of harmony. And I would advise you to do just that. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm a 23-year-old gay male. And in last week's podcast, I think it was number 127, a caller was talking about not attending a family wedding as sort of like a protest, and you reprimanded him for it. And this is sort of a related question. I'm out to my immediate family and all my friends. I've even got it plastered all over my Facebook page. So I, I feel pretty well rid of the closet in almost every area. The one place that that's not true is my extended family. When I came out, my parents in their meltdown phase uh, told me that I could never tell my grandparents because it would, quote, break their hearts. Um, you know, I've honored their wishes. I feel like they're entitled to their own closet if they really want it. Um, the problem now is that my younger brother brother just got engaged, and I want to bring my boyfriend to the wedding. Um, my brother, his fiance, my parents, my boyfriend, and, and me, we've all gone to dinner and concerts on several occasions. My family is totally cool with my boyfriend and me. My question is whether I should make a big fuss about going to the wedding with my boyfriend or what. I mean, I'm, I'm worried it's kind of douchey to come out to my extended family on a day that's supposed to be reserved for my brother and his soon-to-be wife. Um, I guess I just want another perspective on this. What should I do? So when your parents said, uh, don't come out to your grandparents, it will kill them, that them was actually, your parents were referring to themselves and not yeah. necessarily your grandparents. And what they meant when, you know, they had their douchebaggy freak out when you came out was we can't handle, you know, we're having a hard enough time handling this ourselves and, and you know, getting to where we need to be without having to stage manage your grandparents freak out and the extended family freak out too. Yeah. Now is the time to reopen that conversation and go back to your parents and say, you can't ask me to stay in your closet for the rest of my life. I'm going to come out to the entire family, to the entire extended family, and they will deal. And they can love me or not, reject me or not, whatever or not. You don't have to fight my battles for me, but I can't live like this because I'm going to go to my brother's wedding with my boyfriend. Yeah. And it's what my brother wants. Right? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, get him on your side. Talk to him first. And then the thing to do is, you know, you're worried about, you know, stealing the focus on the day that's supposed to be about your brother. Yeah. Don't wait till the wedding reception to come out to your extended family. Hmm. That's what email's for. <laughs> and digital photographs if they require proof. <laughs> Just say, I'm going to do it in an email. I'm going to tell everybody. And then you can construct it. You can let your parents see it first. 
Yeah. So they know what's going out, and you can listen to their input. But you need to present it to them as what you're doing, not may, mother may I. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm telling everybody because everybody needs to know because this is untenable. Yeah. I'm not going to go to family events, weddings, and funerals for the rest of my life with a female date or no date and not answer questions about my private life because, you know what, it's really not your private life, your love life. Yeah. Your love life is public. <laughs> your sex yeah. life is private. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it always seems kind of weird because, you know, gay is about sex, and I, it always strikes me as strange to... Just at any time to come out to somebody. I never feel like there's a right time. Well, but gay is only about sex to the extent that straight is about sex. You know your parents are straight, and you can infer things about what they do in their bedroom. You'd rather not. (laughs) That's the courtesy we extend friends and family that we don't want to picture with genitals being pressed into their faces, right? We just go, oh, they're straight. That means they love my mother is, you know, a woman who loves my father. Dot, dot, dot. Not going to think about it, right? (laughs) And yeah. so you're gay, that means you love your boyfriend, dot, dot, dot. Not going to think about <laughs> what that looks like. Yeah. But that is equal treatment, you know. That's suspension of disbelief. You you should say to your mom and dad, you know what, I don't picture you two fucking. Can you do me the courtesy of not picturing me and my boyfriend <laughs> fucking? Uh, I'll try to say that to them. <laughs> I'll say it to him if you don't want to say it to him. <laughs> Oh, man, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> How far in the future is your uh, brother's wedding? They they said they're going to wait about a year, so I've got a while. I would do it three months. Wait three months, do it in the summer, so well before Thanksgiving, well before Christmas, and a year before a potential wedding. Yeah. And then every, the dust has time to settle. No one can accuse you of being like a, a detention-seeking drama queen trying to steal focus at the wedding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you need to live your life... Uh, openly, and you need to pay your entire extended family the courtesy of being honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. All right? All right. (laughs) Good luck. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. You can also choose, instead of an audiobook, to sign up for Susie Bright's podcast, which is available on audible.com. In bed with Susie Bright, you can get a one-month subscription. It's a terrific show, and you ought to be listening, and you should give it a listen. Susie Bright is funny and insightful and a national treasure, and I recommend her show. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com, Savage, for your free audiobook download today. Hi, Dan. I am a 19-year-old male um, about to uh, break up with uh, the girl that I've been seeing for four months. I feel like a real asshole because she's an amazing girl um, in, in so many ways. And she's, you know, she's everything that I thought I was looking for when I started dating her. But I've since realized that, that, you know, I'm not really ready to be in a relationship that's as serious as this one. And I don't have time in between school and work and, and all the other things that I'm doing right now. You know, it's my first year of college. And I'm just, I'm not ready for, for, for this relationship. Um, so I've, I've pretty much decided that, that I need to break up with her, but she is an amazing girl and she's right now my best friend. Um, and so I just was wondering if you have any advice, um, as to how I should go about breaking it off without, you know, 
hurting her so badly. I mean, I mean, I know I'm going to hurt her. Uh, that's unavoidable. Um, but is there is there ever an easy way to break up with someone, or is there ever a, a less douchebaggy way to break up with someone? Because if there's anyone who doesn't deserve to get her heart broken, it's this girl. Briefly, there's no easy way to break up with somebody. There's no way to prevent her heart from breaking. Yeah. There's no way to, to, to soften the blow. You just have to deliver it. Yeah. It happens to everybody. Your, your reasons for wanting out are totally legit, especially yeah. at the ages you both are. And you should just lower the boom. And the sooner the better, because there's nothing worse than once you've been dumped the realization that for however many weeks or months uh, that person was building up the courage to dump you and their affections and the sex and whatever else was going on in the interim was a lie. And that's a humiliation mm-hmm. on top of the heartbreak that no one needs. Yeah. So yeah. If, you're, if you're done, go. Yeah, it's just every time, every time I think, okay, I really, really, really do need to break up with her. I, you know, we have like an amazing day that we spend together and I think, well, maybe not, you know, like maybe, you know, there's this part of me that's really trying to cling on to it and, and I don't know how to, how to make sure I'm not making a mistake, you know? Well, you'll never know that you're not making a mistake. You can, you know, you may be with someone for 35 years and then find out that that entire time they had a secret double agent life and 40 other lovers and then only realize <laughs> a mistake then. You may come to regret this breakup. Yeah. But... If you're if you're hesitant and amb- and feeling ambivalent about it, she yeah. at least needs to know that. And don't assume that at four months she can't get over you. Yeah. Like a lot of people, when it comes time to break up with somebody, do this sort of narcissistic uh, backflip. We're like, you know, I would dump this person, but I'm really afraid that they could not possibly survive being deprived of me. Yeah. You know, That's most the devastating the wrong infections withdrawn. Right. And that's just a way of paying yourself a compliment mm-hmm. while you string the other person along. Yeah. You know, yeah. You need to confront whether you have, like, typical bullshit heterosexual male fear of intimacy, hoo-ha. Like, if she really is all that, and when you're with her, you can't imagine being without her, maybe dumping her is the wrong thing to do. And here I'm going to give you, you know, opposite advice, which is what I do. But you need to confront it. Yeah. But if, yeah. if when you're away from her, you're like, I need out, I need out, I need out, and then you're with her, she's intoxicating... Uh, that's usually a sign that you need out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty much what I expected to hear, but, you know. Tear off the Band-Aid. And there's no way, to, there, there's no way, there's no nice way to do it. Oh, we'll still be friends. Oh, it's you. It's not me. You know, say all those things. Because people yeah. want to hear them even if they're lies. And everybody knows yeah. they're lies. We all get our hearts broken. All of yeah. us. Every relationship we're ever going to be in is going to fail until one doesn't. And, and don't... Don't overestimate your importance to her or the, you know, cosmic significance of what is a teenage relationship ending. Yeah. Okay. She'll be sad. She'll cry. You'll be sad because you made her cry. You'll meet other people. You'll get over each other. Yeah. Okay. Okay? All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Dan. Um, My name is Rebecca, and I know you have a dick, but... I was wondering where the fuck my G-spot is. Thanks a lot. Bye. Have someone put their finger in your vagina, index finger straight in, and then have them make the come here motion in sort of like a ballet way, like a lot of woo in it, a lot of swoop in the come here motion. And they'll be stroking the upper wall, the ridge of your vaginal canal, the, the peak, the ceiling of your little vaginal chapel. 
And that is where the G-spot supposedly is. Everybody believes it's there. Da, 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 da. Some people say the G-spot is a myth. This Grafenberg guy had his head up his ass or her ass or, or somebody's ass and made it all up. But, you know, I've seen female ejaculate. Very traumatic for me personally. Uh, I've seen the G-spot in action. I've heard too many testimonials from women who've discovered it. The thing about the G-spot though is you may be stimulating that region and not responsive. It doesn't work for you. Uh, the G-spot is something like the prostate gland. You know, Some guys, you poke at their prostate and they are in heaven. It is the best thing ever. They love it. Some guys, you poke at their prostate and you might as well be poking them in the arm. They don't – doesn't feel – like anything sensational, it doesn't. It feels like being poked, but it doesn't feel like a pleasurable poke. So you may have what I would call an unwired G spot, but you got a G spot, and that's where it is. You can also Google it yourself and learn more. Hey Dan, this is uh, my name is Julia, and I'm calling because I work with female to male transgendered man. I guess that's how it goes. Um, but apparently, he started working there as a woman and now I'm just coming in and he's fully, fully changed. So I'm more comfortable calling him, him as a, as a male. Um, however, the people who've been there longer still refer to him as she. So I'm just kind of wondering, I've talked to a few of my other coworkers and they're all for kind of changing the pronouns. But um, it's still kind of weird because if I'm saying, if I'm talking about him and they're still referring to him as her, it's kind of like, well, who are we really talking about? And it just gets confusing. So I spoke to the receptionist who's kind of, you know, the, the ringleader of the show. And she was just saying, you know, no, I'm going to refer to him as she, you know, she didn't have any surgery, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm just wondering should I stay out of it? What's the best way to go about things? Um, it's just, I feel, I just feel weird. Um, I know that he would like to be referred to as him. Um, but everyone else is probably like, what's going on? The relevant question here is not, has he had surgery or not? The relevant question is how does he wish to be identified? How does he identify and how does he want to be referred to and with what pronouns uh, does he want to be addressed? Clearly, it's he and him. Clearly, your coworkers are transphobic assholes. All right? And as Edmund Burke said, all that is needed for the forces of evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Don't let the forces of evil or small-mindedness or bigotry or douchebaggery in your workplace triumph by doing nothing. And if I can whip another pointy-headed quote at you uh, from William Butler Yeats' poem, The Second Coming. The best lack all convictions while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Your coworkers are the worst and they are full of passion and intensity and you lack the convictions that you need to stick up for your fucking coworker. You need to stand up to the goddamn receptionist who works for you, Right? A receptionist is rather low on the totem pole in most office places. You need to, when they call her her, when they call him her in that asshole pointed way, say, you know what, guys, that's really an asshole move and it's really disrespectful. 
And I wish you wouldn't. And I'm not gonna. That's all you got to say. It's really not that hard. They can go on being assholes if they want to go on being assholes. But then they will know that every time they do it in your presence that you think ill of them and worse of them than you already do. And that will matter to them because what they're doing right now is sort of this asshole move that bigots do where they, you know, a room full of white people, somebody makes a racist joke and the presumption is, oh, we're all racists here and there might be a non-racist person in the room who's afraid to speak up. There might be several. The non-racists might be the majority. But they lack all conviction. They don't call the racist douchebag on his racist douchebaggery. And there you are in your workplace and there's a couple of people who are setting the tone, a couple of transphobic douchebags. And they're getting away with it because you're afraid to do what you know you need to do, which is stick up for your convictions and stick up for your coworker and his right – to be referred to as what he identifies as, which is a man. So get up off your fucking ass and do the right thing. I am a 23-year-old straight female that is married. Um, my question is, my husband has a uh, young cousin. He's about uh, 14 or 15-ish. And um, the two of us are pretty sure that he's gay. But he has not come out, and he lives kind of in a small town, so we're kind of afraid that maybe he doesn't want to come out to his parents, or maybe he's not even gay, we're just misreading the signals. Is there a PC way of, like, telling him, hey, man, you know, no matter what your sexuality is, we still love you, and we're not going to judge you or anything, without making him feel weird? 14's a delicate age for a faggot, if he's a faggot. He probably wouldn't react well to you approaching him and saying, hey, gay or not, cool with us, because it's just going to make him really self-conscious about whether everyone on earth who looks at him right now can tell that he's a fag if he's a fag. What you should do is make sure that you have gay friends around and perhaps uh, initiate a conversation in front of him with other people where you defend gay people or you defend gay marriage where you come out swinging for the rights of sexual minorities so that he knows that among his relatives that when he does come out, he will have allies, that there will be somebody on his side. And he will know when he witnesses that where he is not the subject, where he's not the person being pulled into focus, he will know that if he needs to come out to somebody now, if he needs to confide in someone now, that he can confide in you. And if your husband's cousin lives in a small town and you guys live in a big town – and he's a mo. I bet he's anxious to get to the big city just to see what it's like, just to get away from his homophobic relatives, the megachurches that surround him and the Christian youth group weirdos he goes to high school with. So why not just – you know, if you're not in a, situ in a place where you can have that kind of conversation while he's in earshot where you defend gay people uh, and sort of surreptitiously let him know that he has a friend in the family and someone he can go to if he needs to go to someone about it. Invite him to come stay for the weekend. Just have your brother call his his aunt, his uncle, whoever the kid's mom is and, and, and the kid and say, hey, we thought it might be fun for him if he came up and spent the weekend with us and hung out and blah, blah, blah. And then when he comes, don't leap on him. Don't say, oh, my God, you're a fag, right? That's why we invited you. You're a fag, right? Here are our fag friends. Just – have your fag friends come by. Have uh, convert, you know, fag stuff is really hard to avoid right now in conversation because gay marriage and domestic partnership is all over the news every day. It will come up. Let him see you guys in action as gay supported without you singling him out and saying, look, you're a fag, right? You're a fag, right? And if he comes out to you, great. If he doesn't, then he may soon. 
At least he'll know that when and if he does come out, that there'll be somebody in the family who's going to be on his side and he won't be alone. Uh, hi, Dan. Uh, this is Lisa calling from the Maritimes in Canada. Um, I have a couple of things to say. First of all, could you please stop apologizing when you when a podcast is all gay or whatever? I mean, isn't sex interesting regardless of who is involved? Anybody who's listening to your podcast, I would assume, kind of knows what they're in for. So please stop saying I'm sorry. It's just as interesting regardless of whose dick or pussy goes where. So anyways, there's that. Um, I also have a question. I was wondering, um, I was at this gay bar, and there was this young kid who's 19 years old, tanked. And we were going to leave the bar and go somewhere else. And I'm older. <laughs> um, and this guy, who was like 42, was totally hitting on him. And the kid was like kind of getting into it. And I just, we had to leave, and so I, I went up to the 42-year-old guy, and I was like, he's 19 and he's drunk. What's the matter with you? Do you really want to be that guy? Anyways, he got pretty mad at me. Um, and then I talked to the, the kid and said, you know, listen, um, <laughs> this might look okay tonight, but you're drunk. What does this look like to you in the morning? Are, are you sure that this is how you want to wake up? You know, in the cold light of day, things look different. And he seemed okay with that, but I'm kind of wondering if... <laughs> Is it okay that I stuck my nose in considering the age factor, or should I just have said nothing and just kept my nose out of it? Now, the intergenerational romance fans will jump down my throat if I say it was okay for you to stick your nose in because of the age factor. So I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it was really okay for you to stick your nose in because of the booze factor. There are a lot of younger gay guys, myself included, once upon a time when I was a younger gay guy, who have their sort of first sexual sort of experiences with older gay guys who kind of function as mentor slash parental figures who fucked us as awful as that sounds. Those relationships are not always abusive uh, despite the age difference, despite the prejudices about predatory older males. I do think as I have written and said a lot in the column that the bar is higher uh, for older gay guys who are attracted to much younger guys, uh, a lot of older gay guys are behave in predatory ways and don't obey the campsite rule. They will pick up on guys and leave them in worse shape than they found them. Uh, that may have been the case here. If this was an older guy who was taking advantage because this kid was young, inexperienced, naive, and shit-faced, and this was an older piece-of-shit douchebag who was seizing what would have been a one-time opportunity to bag this kid – because he was so fucking drunk, then you absolutely did the right thing. You spoke up. You said something good for you. Evil, if that was this person's intent, did not triumph because you're a good person and you did something. So props to you. But I would chalk it up to not just the power imbalance inherent in an age difference and an experience difference like that, but the booze factor. Hey, Dan, it's Amy, a 28-year-old lesbian. Uh, I was just going to say for the lady on Podcast 128 who was wanting to peg her husband but wouldn't get any feeling for it, the butterfly's awesome, yes, but she should also get a double dildo. Uh, just make her life so wonderful. Hope you're doing great. Talk to you soon. Thanks for your call. That's what the podcast is really all about, people helping people, lesbians, calling up with advice for straight girls who are fucking their boyfriend's asses with strap-on dildos about the right gear. We appreciate 
your input. I'm sure he's going to appreciate da, 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 the input that he'll get. And she's going to get input now. I didn't say that the tech savvy at youth are throwing up in the corner of the room. I apologize for that. I stumbled into that horrible single entendre. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question for a future program, you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.